All right, February. Twenty third. So close. Twenty second. Ah. Okay. Hmm. Well, you know, doesn't shock me that I got it wrong. Whatever. What are you over three now? I have. I. I think I'm. It's more than that. We need to get you a victory here. Yeah. Um. It was an interesting weekend in sports. <laughs> Man, the NHL, when they uh, do something right, they can't get it right. <laughs> you lose the sun is the reason the game got delayed until 12 Eastern on Saturday. That's stupid. Yeah, that's a that's a topic that I'll um, I'll revert to again, but very uh, very very not good. Yeah, that's a good way <laughs> of putting it. My brain is starting to feel like scrambled eggs because we are in the last week of February. That I do know. And next week's March. So I have basically watched, eh, give or take 40 hours of college basketball in three or four days since Friday. So you didn't have much time to um, to dive into the Lake Tahoe game. Well, you didn't really need it because pretty much was one period, and then <laughs> you could watch college basketball the rest of the day. Yeah, and I was watching Knicks, obviously, but then the game that I was able to watch, the Bruins Flyers for our East Coast fans, the game we were able to watch, that wasn't a game. It was – you know, you tune in and it's 5-2 or 5-3, whatever it was, in the blink of an eye in the second period, and you're like, okay, well, that's enough for me. But Michigan-Ohio State was awesome. I am starting to lean in heavily on Atlantic 10 teams that will get at-large bids. Like St. Bon Bonaventure yesterday, the Bonnies – playing they had a nice game i can't remember if they lost I, i've watched so much college basketball but then syracuse I pl plays duke tonight i think i'm not sure on that on a monday but texas tech plays tonight i believe no tomorrow right tomorrow tuesday um, kansas but that then wvu played over the weekend as well the kansas game was a little weird this past set just so much college basketball by the way if you didn't watch the michigan ohio state game shame on you shame on you shame on me i didn't watch it oh you didn't well yeah i, I did not that's a mistake yeah for people who don't like march madness that's a that's a you problem you're you're a bunch of you're you're an idiot basically if you don't like march madness I mean, March Mad. I mean, that's always that's always the most exciting time to be a sports fan. Don't get me wrong. I love my teams. I love the the Pirates, the Penguins, the Steelers, Mountaineers, the teams I watch. But when when it comes to literally just watching sports, March Madness is unrivaled as far as as far as the tournament, the thing you need to watch in sports. Yeah, and also. I did see other sports this weekend because Premier League is on in the morning, obviously. So 
I was able to get in a lot of Premier League. Whew, uh, West Hampton, uh, they, they looked good on Saturday. The Man City-Arsenal game was probably the best game of the weekend. It was 1-0 Man City, but I love Premier League now. Uh, the Brighton-Crystal uh, Palace game just finished a little bit ago, but I am also in 1979 now. <laughs> I'm in 19, no, 1980, 1980. 1980, yeah. yeah. My guess was 79. Yeah. But we have uh, buy or sell. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll just go first. I'll just go first. How about that? No, no need to debate it. I, I like it. Go for it. So <laughs> this story just got announced recently today. UK... United Kingdom, I should say, they're, they have a plan in place to open theaters across the UK nationwide by May 17th at the latest. That, I don't know, they're dealing with a lot of things over there, the UK variant, the South African variant. And look, we're not doctors, we're not scientists, we're not going to get into COVID and how each place has different restrictions, all that kind of stuff. But it feels a little rushed. It feels almost like, hey, we need to do this because let's get movies in theaters. And it seems like studios aren't going to go to a streaming model like HBO and Warner Brothers did. Now, obviously, directors with the movies that they produce for Warner Brothers are extremely irritated that they're not going to see the same payday on them going to HBO Max. And actually, a story came out recently this is kind of wild. Zack Snyder said he isn't even getting paid for the Justice League re, uh, essentially reshoot that he did, which I find hard to believe. But reading the story, it, it's kind of wild. It, you, I forget the story in detail, but you can look it up. It's crazy. Uh, he says that he's not getting paid for that. But I don't know how I feel about it. There, there are certain things I think that are going to take time, large sports gatherings, going to movie theaters. I mean, when you look at the landscape and the picture of things, there's so much content being produced right now everywhere else. Why don't you just, if anything, go to the fall. Go to the fall and see what happens and keep pushing stuff out on streaming services, whether it's you know across US. I don't know what international you'd be able to do with those kind of things, but I'm sure there's different models. I just, I, I think going to movie theaters for a while, for a while we're going to take coming back. And we've talked about that before. It just feels odd. Well, and, and again, I think it depends on the different, I think it depends on the different restrictions, the different areas too. I, I don't have a problem with movie theaters being back as far as if you have them socially distant, if you have them in compliance with the regulations that everywhere seems to have. But I think the problem is, is you're, you're not going to be able to do, again, we're not, we're not doctors. I, I'm not going to tell you about the different variances and how you need to, I mean, you should wash your hands anyway, but like, I can't tell you to do that and, and make you believe it. But point is, if there's nothing, and I'm, air quotes around this if there's nothing worthy of seeing why do movie theaters even need to be back in the first place is it the experience i mean and and i realize that some places i realize that some places have um you know they'll do like 
gold showings of, of movies and such. But if that's the case, I think that you want to remain closed for a little while longer to make it safer. But if there is something worth coming out, such as a, you know, a Marvel movie that would come to theaters and, and obviously people were clamoring for those, I think you can do it. And I think you can do it socially distant. I mean, if it's just for the experience and, and you're saying, oh, we're going to play, um, I, I don't even know what movie you would play in an old theater or, or do that with where, where you're saying, oh, we're just going to do a movie showing to do it. But I think you, if, if you have stuff worth showing, which it sounds like we're starting to kind of ramp back up in that, in that area, I say, do it, just do it socially distant, follow the guidelines. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily do more showings because I feel like that would not be in compliance with, uh, with how this works. But point is, I, I have no problem with him being back. I think you just have to have content that people want to see. So they'll be willing to go back. Yeah, willing to go back is probably the key phrase that you use there because in the movie industry, I think the biggest question is how do we navigate the rest of this year and the latter part of early 2022 when we get there? Because Black Widow going to theaters and not going to Disney Plus, Disney's kind of putting their foot down. But if you have 96 million subscribers worldwide, you could easily push something like that across your streaming platforms. And I'm sure people would pay 20, 30 bucks. I just think it's it's odd, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward, I guess. Well, I think the I think the moneymakers don't care. I think people like Disney Plus, they're like, whatever, it's fine. We'll we'll stick with this because we're still making money off streaming services. But when when you're introducing new ones and you want to try to keep up with the game, you're going to lose out because you're not part of the trend or you want to be part of the trend, I guess, is a better way to say it. So Disney can do that. Disney can keep their content and, and say, you know, we're still going to do it exclusive. I, I don't have a, and I've said this before on this show, I don't have a problem with moving to a model where you have to pay for movies and do them in your house. I think that's a smart idea. I understand that, you know, the experience of the movie theater is a lot of reason why people go. And, and I don't mind going to a movie. I think that's fun. I enjoy doing it, but I, I want to see something that's worth seeing too. So I think it's going to depend on who is willing to release movies, who is going to take a little bit of a hit because I don't think it's going to be a perfect system starting off. You're going to have to consider that there will be lost money. And, and for what would be, I guess I would say a normal year, you're not going to have that same box office that you would otherwise. Right. So moving into a couple sports stories here, um, you know, I always, like I say, try to switch it up a little bit, but I found myself with actually some NFL news um, you know, obviously we, we talked a little bit about uh, hockey earlier and, and we'll, uh, we'll circle back around to that, but report comes out today after last week's breaking news of your favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles, that the Eagles are keeping all options open at quarterback and are even potentially looking to draft a quarterback at number six this year. Are you buying or selling that they're going to take a quarterback at number six and essentially maybe not replace Jalen Hurts, but give him that level of competition going into camp. What are they doing? <laughs> it makes no sense. It's, it's putting a kindergartner behind the wheel of a semi and say, here, you can drive. 
with the head coach that they hired, getting rid of Carson and hindsight benefits them more than it hurts them. But Jalen, I don't know if Jalen's the guy, but you have to take a flyer on him. That's why you got rid of Carson anyway, is to give him the keys to the Cadillac. It, <clears throat> it would make zero sense to draft a quarterback that high. If anything, draft a quarterback in the later rounds, like third or fourth round, or get a veteran quarterback like an Andy Dalton. I don't know if his contract's up yet in Dallas, but you know what I mean? Someone like that, like a veteran quarterback that, hey, keep the ship afloat if Jalen goes down for three or four weeks just to get us to where we need to be down the road. That's really what it feels like. And I mean, I don't, I, I have no idea what they're doing. It, it is, it feels like they're on the verge of the teetering ship where it's rocking back and forth before it has like a leak, like a boat. And they're one move away now from it having a full on hole and it's sinking to the bottom and they need that life that life raft that's where they feel like i love the analogy of giving the keys to a semi to a kindergartner that's a i i obviously don't want to see that but that's just very funny i don't know if i've ever heard that before but i have to agree with you because my 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 problem with this is jalen hurts proved that he could win and in the national football league that's what you're supposed to do is win I don't really know what else is to be said about that, but he comes in and he wins games. Now I understand this is under Doug Peterson's offense. It's different. We're switching head coaches. There's a lot to consider. Sure. The other side of this that you have to consider is, is that I think this year in the quarterback scope, I think there's a distinct difference between those who will be successful and those who will just be average NFL starters. I think Trevor Lawrence has the potential to be a, you know, a, a perennial starter, pro bowler, maybe an all-pro type guy down the road. I mean, it's it's tough with guys like Patrick Mahomes, but I digress. Um, I think Justin Fields, if given the right situation, will, will be great. I think you have to have a coach that believes in him. We saw what he can do whenever he was playing at the in the playoff this year. I think he looked great. But I think after that, I think you're talking a little bit more of a variable. We didn't watch Trey Lance play. We aren't really sure what to believe about Wilson from BYU. Mac Jones is kind of a question mark. People are, were hearing today that Devontae prefers him or Devontae, yeah, Devontae Smith prefers him over to a, I don't really know what I'm supposed to believe here because again, I believe that there is a drop-off between these quarterbacks. So at that point, feasibly you're thinking that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence would be gone. If Trevor Lawrence is not the number one pick, I would be shocked. So who are you going to potentially select at six Mac Jones? I don't, I don't know if that's the answer at number six. I don't think he's the sixth best player in this draft. I understand it's a quarterback league, but I think at the same time, you have to weigh the fact that you have Jalen hurts. Somebody has who has proved that he can win at the NFL level and like you said, take a flyer on him, let him go, let him try another season. This is a guy that's proven that he can do it. I understand he's not the best passer in the world. That's kind of what drew him out of Alabama in favor of Tua. But I, I don't I don't see any reason. I'm selling that they're going to take a quarterback, or at least they should sell that they're going to take a quarterback. Give him a weapon, 
solidify your line, bring the defense up to speed. Don't don't create unnecessary controversy with a quarterback debate. I think Jalen Hurts should be your guy into 21. There are also so many other guys later in the round that you can develop. If you look at the history of the NFL draft since 2004, 2005, most of your star guys or key players come in those later third to sixth, sometimes seventh round, and a few mm-hmm. un- undrafted guys. That's where the bulk of the draft is, even good quarterbacks. Andy Dalton, you know, for what it's worth, he wasn't a superstar, but he was a second round quarterback taken and he got the Bengals to five playoff wild card losses. You have guys like Ryan Mallett, who I can't even believe I remember that name, but he started a few games in the league. He was a third, fourth rounder. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just there are so many guys, even if they don't work out, that you have more options setting yourself up for future success versus future failure by drafting a guy in the later rounds. Well, look at 2016. We talked last last week about how the number one and two pick with golf and um, golf and wins have now been traded. But the best quarterback in that draft, arguably, is Dak Prescott. And he was a fourth round pick that year. The thing is, is people people want to say, oh, yeah, when well, the seventh round, you might hit a few hidden gems. And you're right. But the first round's no better. The first round is if you look at every first round of every draft, you look at some guys and say, oh, yeah, they lived up to the hype. But there are just as many guys. We talked about one last week that I don't know why he sticks in my mind, but Aaron Maben is, is one of those guys among many, many others that you draft in the first round. It doesn't matter. Maybe the guy doesn't have the same work ethic in the NFL. Maybe he's not up to the same challenges. That's life. Drafting is drafting is hard. So you have to appreciate teams that can do it well. And I think one team that could potentially sway that bad this year is the Eagles if they decide to draft a quarterback at six. Yeah, they're they're on the verge of handing the keys to a kindergartner and say, here, drive this <laughs> in my 18-wheeler. That's that's where they are. Sticking with the how do I say this? The Disney Plus kind of theme that we were just talking about. Not really movie related, but so you're a Disney Plus subscriber. I know that's one service you have mm-hmm. after my three or four that we've talked about off air. I'm, of course, a Disney Plus subscriber. I love watching Simpsons, those kind of things mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Anything Nat Geo, too. By the way, if you don't watch Nat Geo on Disney Plus, maybe in the later hours of the night or something to fall asleep to, what are you doing there? Because a show like uh, Life Below Zero is a, it's, it's a show you can fall asleep to, but not because it's boring. It's just, it's, it's like The Office, basically. You know what I mean? You can put on The Office and fall asleep to it because you're tired, but shows like on that Geo are awesome. So anything on Disney Plus lives up, it seems like. And now they got the Muppet Show on there uh, from the, seven, the 77 and 81. So I hear uh, good things. But my topic is WandaVision is more popular than Mandalorian. And here's how you can measure that. So Disney Plus has only crashed once, and it was the day that the service dropped on November 12th in 2019 because they were only expecting a, a million, two million people signing up on that first day. In that first day, they had 13 to 14 million people sign up and use the service. It crashed. That, that's how many people signed up for it. WandaVision, their last episode that, came, that come, uh, came out this past Friday, WandaVision is now so popular, Mandalorian didn't even do this, it crashed Disney Plus for at least a half hour to 45 minutes. 
in certain areas. That's how popular WandaVision is. So my buyer sell here really is, I know you haven't seen WandaVision, but are you at least kind of in on it now knowing that it crashed Disney Plus? I mean, I was I was in on it from the beginning because it seemed like it seemed like the fan bases were in on it too. So just give me a quick let, let me just ask one question here. And this may sound ignorant, but I just don't know. Is this a new character that's created or like a new series that's created? Is there any like comic book precedent that comes before this? You mean like a show that has had comic book characters featured? Well, for, for instance, like I, I know that like Spider-Man is a comic, but I know I'm div in a different, you know, we're in different universes here, but like Spider-Man is a comic book. Batman was a comic book. Was was this a was this a superhero that was kind of just created, or is there something before this that we're basing this off of? Yeah, so this is based off a comic. Wanda is Wanda Maximoff from the comics i forget when she's featured in marvel but i've, I've read a lot of comics i'm a nerd I, we've talked about this but the really the plot of disney plus which is in, in marvel which has become almost brilliant to the point is taking those characters that were in the movies like wanda and vision <laughs> who weren't featured at much capacity as they could have been and giving them their own platform to tell the story to continue to expand the universe and it's done that, man. I mean, think about this. Mandalorian, even you know what Mandalorian is. It was the most popular thing in 2019, and it didn't debut until, like, November, and everyone and their mother did a Baby Yoda meme on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere. WandaVision's Some, so popular. People are still doing them. Right. WandaVision's so popular, it crashed the service for a half hour. That's how crazy WandaVision, like, it, it, it doesn't even... It, it's so crazy good that it crashed the service. Yeah, and, and I think that's I think that's where its strength lies is the fact that you're talking about expanding the universe, right? So we've talked about this in terms of Star Wars, where we're saying, okay, we're taking something that exists and expanding to say, we're going to give this character a backstory, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But with with this, I, I understand it's a little bit different that you're expanding in and giving them life within a similar universe so i i'm i'm in on it i i buy it and and again i i was with it anyway because i know that people talked very highly of it and and i've seen so many people on social media that say look you gotta you gotta watch this and and i i'm i'm not a big comic book guy i'm not a big superhero movie guy personally but look if it's crashing a service with that many subscribers and it's that popular you're going to see this for a long time coming. It's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So get ready for whatever WandaVision's coming next because 2021 is just not the end of it. it. Three weeks from now, Marvel has another show debuting and <laughs> the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I almost feel bad for them in that sense because the actors in that show are fantastic. Anthony Mackie, who's been in other stuff other than Marvel. Sebastian Stan, who's been in other stuff other than Marvel. Both great actors. But they're going to have to follow something that just crashed a service. That, that is in, insane to think about, uh, the pressure to live up. But it seems like Marvel always hits a home run, <laughs> home run with whatever they do. And I, it's, it is truly mind-blowing. Well, and the alternative is, is what if that breaks the service? 
what if that's just as popular and people are, are dying to see that whenever it comes out? Then that just goes to show you, I think, that Marvel, you could basically rename Disney Plus Marvel Plus. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 crazy. I, I, I didn't think something so popular in any streaming service ever like Netflix has never had a show I don't think as popular as Stranger Things was in House of Cards in the heyday before we found out Kevin Spacey was a piece of garbage <laughs> nothing on Netflix has ever been so popular where it's crashed the service like people were flocking to Netflix last year for Tiger King and it didn't crash the service you see what I'm saying that that just like I just want to put that in perspective basically well, and you're talking about a service that, or a company rather, that has is multi-billion dollar. It's not like this is just some new platform of a show that is coming out for the first time, or one that we even know. This is someone that has the capacity to do it as far as bandwidth or any anything that you would have in that technical side. So yeah, give us more WandaVision. I'm not watching it personally, but I know many people that are, and um, like yourself, are, are obviously loving it. So Give us all the WandaVision. We want more, and we might end up with our own Marvel streaming service here soon. <laughs> so whatever whatever takes its course. But moving into another sports story here. So, again, I, like I said, I try to switch it up, but today I actually have another quarterback question. So we did your favorite team. Let's do my favorite NFL team. So the Steelers are in an impasse right now with Ben Roethlisberger, and it seems as if – they want to make a deal to have him be the quarterback for one more season, but there's even people that are suggesting that he goes and plays somewhere else in 2021. And it's not with the Steelers. So are you buying or selling that Ben Roethlisberger will be the quarterback for the Steelers in 2021? Ryan, I'm picking with my heart here. I'm going to have to, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to say uh, big Ben is, going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. It doesn't feel like the Phillip Rivers situation or other guys like Donovan or, or Brett or anything like that. It doesn't feel like a toxic situation. It just feels like, hey, we Big Ben, like we know you're going to go out the door. You have one year left on your deal. It seems like, hey, we're not going to re-sign you. So you might have to find a team if you want to play again after this season. But what it says to me is, hey, we're going to draft someone. We're going to bring in someone because they need to have a year under your under your, your tutelage and, and knowing how you play to groom you for the next guy. That's basically what it feels like. It feels like the Tom Brady, Jimmy G situation back in New England where Tom wasn't done. The situation wasn't toxic or anything at all, right? It was just, hey, we feel like Tom's near the end of his career, and they were obviously wrong because no one's aged in human history like Tom Brady. Tom Brady but they brought in Jimmy G to learn under him. And that's one reason Jimmy G got traded to San Francisco and got paid so huge for six years, a hundred mil is because, Hey, this guy learned under Tom Brady. He was only had one loss in New England. Now, when you look back in that hindsight, how much did he actually learn? Because it seems like he's going to be on the outside looking in. It feels like San Francisco, from reading stuff on San Francisco 49ers stuff over the weekend when I was trying to watch college basketball. Of course, I'm reading a lot of NFL, but it seems like from inside San Francisco guys, Jimmy G is going to end up finding his contract either restructured or being a trade piece possibly around the draft 
these are just rumors. You, you never know with these kind mm-hmm. of things around this time of year, but it feels like that's where the big bidding situation is going. Like there's a lot of chatter, but it doesn't feel like anything's happening. It's like where you see every day Deshaun Watson wanting a trade still. Okay. Well, Dwight Howard wanted to trade forever and it took them five, six months for him to go to LA to play one year with Kobe. So <laughs> apples and oranges here. You have to make a sacrifice and big Ben as many times as he gets hit. It's amazing that he's played this long because he looks like a sack of Idaho potatoes. <laughs> That's how we kind of feel every single season coming in being like, is, is this, is this the same Ben that we've seen previously? And, and I'm actually with you. I think that he will be the quarterback in 2021. I don't think that he's going anywhere. The Steelers are one of those teams that are notorious for um, restructuring deals and, and converting salary and, and all of those fun things that I don't understand because I'm not a sports agent or care to look into the business of it as much. Uh, in fact, they restructured Cam Hayward's deal today. So that's not something that's uncommon to the Steelers. I think what the problem is, is, you know, Ben comes out and says that, uh, you know, I want to be paid, you know, I don't care what my salary is. I just want to pay in 2021. And and that's great. But in turn, if, if you want to play, then you have to take a team friendly deal to do it. Um, I think maybe in the, in the kind of 5% of teams or, you know, 10% of teams that are, you know, really at a, at a struggling point when it comes to their salary cap, the Steelers are one of them. So one place that they can save a little bit of money or at least restructure money uh, is a 38-year-old, 37-year-old quarterback that's on his way out. Ben will not play. I don't think Ben plays past 2021. I think this is his last year with the Steelers, but I think he gives it one more go. Uh, I do think that some of his 2021 struggles near the end had to do with his knee injury. Um, I can't remember what game that was, but point is, I think that he will be the quarterback. I do think that there has to be conversation about who's next. Uh, The Steelers seem to say that they have faith in Mason Rudolph, which he looked better against the Browns last year than he did the year before where he was playing a lot of the season. Uh, Devlin Hodges is no longer with the team. So I apologize for all of our Duck fans who think that he was the answer. Um, He's not. So just so you know that. But anyway, Ben's coming back. And it will be at maybe what some people think is a higher salary than what he deserves, but he's coming back. The Steelers aren't going to let him walk. Uh, I, I don't. I don't foresee him playing for another team either. His his career will be done after twenty twenty one. Can we bring Dennis Dixon back? Dennis Dixon. Dennis Dixon had. Uh, you know, it's funny because you remember those days when Ben got hurt a lot, right? Because you talk about him being a sack of potatoes. Yeah, so it's funny that we like could rank the backup quarterbacks of the Steelers from the 2000s because there's a lot of them. You know, Tommy Maddox is obviously who he replaced. Uh, Charlie Batch was always a serviceable backup. Dennis Dixon, uh, which I was very excited when we drafted him in 2008. And if you look at the 2008, yeah, Michael Vick, um, Byron Lefwich spent a hot second in Pittsburgh as a backup quarterback. who is the other one that is Bruce Gradkowski was also a backup quarterback in Pittsburgh. We've had quite a laundry list of, of backup quarterbacks in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just how it is whenever you have a quarterback, but to be fair, it's not like big Ben was, I hate when somebody says somebody's injury prone, especially at quarterback, because 
his offensive line was one of the worst for his like first well not first he had good offensive lines first year uh, but if the year that they won Super Bowl 43, I believe we had the 25th ranked offensive line in football. So I don't necessarily blame all of that on Ben for getting hit every other play. Yeah. Uh, Mason Rudolph also dating probably the one of the most beautiful women in the world, Jeannie Bouchard now. So <laughs> you can tell that uh, if you follow him or her on Instagram and I follow her, uh, it doesn't seem like he's uh, into a whole lot of off-season reading the playbook type stuff um, at this point right now. So another one of those weird things for you here. I'm I'm not as hip on the entertainment side of sports, but you know we've we've talked about how bad the Pirates are, and I know you're not a baseball fan, but one of the Pirate Cole Tucker, shortstop for the Pirates, is dating Vanessa Hudgens. Like how does how does this like I I don't understand how stardom works because I'm trapped in this you know, wood paneled apartment here in Morgantown, but I don't understand how Hollywood works, but how does Vanessa Hudgens know Cole Tuck? Like, I just don't understand how that works. So that has I digress, to, but it's weird. Yeah. That has to be a friend of a friend, something like that. There's no way she's there's there's, well, I mean, they didn't even have fans last year in LA. So how are they meeting in unless they're going to like some crazy, like VIP part, whatever, but yeah. She I, wasn't watching the Pittsburgh pirates being like, man, this guy's so great. No, and uh, back in the day, Rihanna used to date um, Matt Kemp. I, I remember that because Sports Center would always bring it up. Rihanna, there, there's Matt Kemp. Rihanna is dating Matt Kemp. Well, uh, how to, you know? Yeah, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp, yeah. Or, or Rihanna, for that matter. Um. So, <laughs> it seems like this has been a new thing with me. I got so many stories I like to look at that I'm going to let you pick story A or story B for my final one. I think I. I think I picked B last time, so I'm going to pick A this time. Okay. Uh, story A is Star Trek. Yeah, we're going to get real nerdy here. So Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> um, a actor from that show, and it it's pretty popular uh, among Star Trek fans, and I've even watched uh, an episode here or there um, back in the day if I was flipping through channels or something like that. And even on uh, that free streaming Pluto TV app, sometimes if I can't find anything to watch, there's a Star Trek channel or there used to be. I don't know if there is now, but one of the actors says uh, they think just like with the original Star Trek where they did a reboot and they made three movies, he thinks this is going to happen for the show of Next Generation. It, it's like, come on, guys. You know, I mean, the, the actor from that show, the main guy, uh, I, I, I don't uh, know what his character name is, uh, and I've his name's blanking on me as well, is that his real name, but he's in a show on CBS All Access called Picard. Yeah, John Picard from Star Trek, and it's like a show based after the events of that. So it would kind of be like dueling interest to do a reboot movie when he has that project going on, I just, I feel like me and you are both kind of tired of reboots and I've seen it all over the internet the last couple of weeks, Punky Brewster, a show from the uh, early nineties, late eighties got rebooted and is going to be on Peacock this, this Friday. I, I feel like we're kind of over it. Right. I mean, saved by the bell did it. It's just full, full house did it. And they called it fuller house. It, it just, at some point, there has to be a giving point. And um, I used to be all about reboots for nostalgia. I don't think I'm there anymore. Is Hollywood that boring that they don't have original content? 
I, I mean, it's, that's a great question. Is that the is that what's happened? We've just agreed that everything worth doing is is been done, and we can just reboot it now. Because to to my point, I think I said this on the show too. I made this point. If there is a movie or something, uh, a show from the seventies, the eighties that maybe wasn't quite as popular, uh, but but it and even I'm not like a big oh you know the critic said this, the critic said that, but. If there's a show where a critic is looking at it and saying, this is something that could have been bigger, but it wasn't in the right time frame. It wasn't doing this. It, it didn't have this, lead, whatever. I don't know what they would say exactly. But point is, there are probably shows and movies worth redoing that would see a better audience and better reception today. Stop remaking the popular ones. That's that's the problem is, is we, we have these. And now people, this isn't necessarily even a discussion, but you talk about a certain movie and you say, oh, I really love this movie. And now people are saying, oh, the original or the reboot? We shouldn't have to do that. That's that's kind of part of the problem here is, is we're getting so unoriginal that everything is just a reboot. So one, one place that I'm okay, I won't say it's unoriginal, but for instance, like Marvel, we're talking about expanding a universe and playing these characters and giving them lives or new lives, whatever that is, I think that's fine because I think that's still original content. You're still expanding on a universe that people can get into. With reboots, you're literally just making the movie, if, if not the exact same, very, very similar in a new year with new character or new cast. It doesn't mean anything. I'm, I'm over reboots. I'm done with them. Star Trek is one of those things that still has that cult following and has people that will follow it. But are they even going to care? Is anyone in the Star Trek universe asking for more? Or are they just kind of, or are they just kind of saying, you know, we, we don't need that. And that's such a fantastic point that you make because Marvel and Star Wars are doing that, right? They're taking characters that we know we've seen in other movies or we've seen in little cameos, whatever, right? And they're expanding it, right? and giving them full, essentially seven, eight hour, nine, 10 hour little mini movies and doing it into a show. Star Trek, on top of this article, I was doing research, Star Trek for that new Paramount Plus service that you actually said, I, I can't believe you went back on that, but you actually said you're, you're thinking about getting it, but um, <laughs> it's, they're, they're producing like seven or six Star Trek series over the next, five or six, seven years for Paramount Plus. So why, why would you do a movie and reboot it if you're trying to do all this other kind of stuff? I don't, that's why I don't understand. Like I, I there's this show called For All Mankind and mm -hmm. we, you know, the Mars Rover, not, not to get like, you know, we don't go really into news hardly ever. We just talk sports and entertainment, but the Mars Rover touched down, uh, I believe over the weekend, right? Over the weekend. So and this show for all mankind is like an alternative reality of, hey, what would have happened if Russia would have landed on space first? And they jumped 10 years ahead. They're in season two now. And they basically, the way they, they did the show is, okay, Russia did it. So NASA's not defunded. They're putting more money in NASA. And now like technology, there's like electric cars in the 1980s. Like that's, that is fantastic original programming, great writing, brilliant writing. HBO still does it, but I feel like 
the only thing that I'm not completely drawn out yet, and it's like 5% left in the fuel tank on reboots or sequels, whatever you want to call them, is the Disney live actions. Because they, they, they haven't been terrible. They've been okay. But like Lion King, I watched the live uh, uh, animation Lion King. It was, it was the exact same movie, just live action. And it, and it was fine, but I feel like that's the only thing where I'm not completely drawn out yet. I'll, I'll be honest, even with those, I'm a little drawn out personally just because I don't necessarily need to see this done by a real lion that's, that's AI as opposed to the fake lion that was the original one. But so my, my other question to this, and, and I mean, it's funny, but I'm also kind of being serious, is how much of the supposed universe does Star Trek have left to explore? Because... I, I just feel like that ship's been going since the seventies and there can't be much more that the, what I can't remember the name of the ship. Star Trek fans are going to be mad at me, but uh, I don't care. Yeah. Th so what else can the enterprise see? I, I think it's seen everything. And Star Trek started before Star Wars. So. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be out on it because I don't, and this is partially just, this is partially just my own preferences too. Um, I'll give you a controversial take for some, but I, again, don't care. I never really watched Star Trek. I, I tried a little bit, but I think Star Wars will always be the better of those fantasy franchises, if you will. Uh, and I think it's still showing that because Star Wars still wouldn't be as popular as if it was, if Star Trek was better. So I'm, I'm going to give that nod to Star Wars. But anyway, one more, one more sports story here. We touched on it in the beginning, also over the weekend too, in the NHL, Sidney Crosby played his 1000th game. That's kind of crazy that he's the first penguin ever to get there. But uh, looking at another, looking at another weekend happening with the NHL again, we touched on it as the Lake Tahoe game really kind of marred by the by the ice situation the the sun as you mentioned was kind of the deterring factor of the game wasn't able to be played as originally scheduled the nhl doesn't typically have a problem with ice at stadium series games it's usually a little bit weirder but have we seen our last outdoor game at lake tahoe and and we're going to start seeing just more games in stadium series um, or have we maybe even seen the last outdoor game in, in general? Because as much as I even said last week, I want to see more of these. It doesn't seem like the NHL players or even the NHL writers and owners are really pushing for these. Imagine thinking, Hey, we're going to have this fantastic weekend kind of dominating the sports landscape with a unique idea that we're doing. And the sun is the reason you have to delay a game seven, eight hours. <laughs> like, and I, I've seen online all weekend and today where people were saying, remember when outdoor games used to be a good idea for the NHL? There's still good ideas. It just, it has to be done in a right place at the right time. The, the backdrop was phenomenal. The backdrop was phenomenal with the shot of the lake and the and the trees and that first period before the game got delayed seven, eight hours. You know, that was fantastic. But it's almost like that's when the game got delayed because of that. And by the way, Tariko, he he's really stepped in for Doc Emick, right? 
I mean, he already did a lot of play-by-play when Doc uh, was uh, not there for certain games last year. But, man, Tariko is fabulous transitioning into hockey, as good as he's been. It doesn't shock me because he he is a great uh, announcer, play-by-play guy. But, you know, it's it's like I was thinking to myself, that's why the NHL can't seem to get out of their own way. Stupid stuff like that. I really hope it's not the last outdoor game. It's definitely the last Lake Tahoe game, but you have to do it in colder climates too. Like do it in a place like uh, Canada, like on the banks of Nova Scotia, something like that, you know, a place where, you know, you have extreme cold and those kind of things or Vancouver, Vancouver has some great lakes. Uh, and the reason I remember that is because of uh, <laughs> the Olympics, uh, ironically from 2010, but it just, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the, it is insane. And I've been to an outdoor game. They're a different kind of vibe and I would go to another one, but they're just different. And it's, it is incredible. That was the reason. And then it doesn't help that the second game sucked. The second game on Sunday night was terrible. You know, it does, it, it doesn't help that either. Well, when you're going to put something in front of a per- perceived national audience, you obviously want it to be a good game or something crazy to happen. So I get that. And and I realize that the American population is not overly sold on hockey. I hope it's not the last outdoor game either. Again, even as early as last week, I was saying I want more of them. And and that's still kind of true. I think it's a I think it's a cool thing to have. But at the same time, if it's only going to create issues for players, it's going to create issues for networks and, and such. I don't see him really moving forward that much. I think we're I think we're talking a, a strange year with COVID too. I'm, I'm not denying that, but the stadium series seem to be locked in now. the The one argument that I've seen on this on this outdoor series side is players and and coaches and and everybody in that realm basically say that the ice is different. So we're talking about the one sport that. Now, obviously, football and, and baseball and soccer and, and those sports have a playing surface that's outside and has to be maintained, right? Turf isn't really as hard to maintain. Sure, you have to keep up with it. You know, grass and, and dirt when it comes to baseball, yeah, that that has to be maintained. But it's not something that really you have to focus on a whole lot. Ice, if you're going to take ice outside, you have to cool it. I don't know if you've ever walked outside in the summer or maybe even – a mild spring day with a, a glass of something and it has ice in it what happens to it it melts it, basic science here people we learned this in third grade you have to you have to have a plan for this and i'm sure they probably knew what they were going to do but if the sun's going to be an issue when it comes to the ice play all of your games at night because that's when you know that it's going to be don't don't try to do it during the day if you understand that the sun is going to be an issue i hope it's not the last lake tahoe game we see but unfortunately i think it will be i don't know if they go back there because i don't know if they'll want to deal with this issue a second time that basically sums up the whole thing and think about how innovative it is anyway they're they're doing something no other sports are doing they're trying to play their game professionally on different surfaces or playing fields you know baseball is not playing you know on a basketball court basketball is not playing on a football field I think the only time that I can recently remember where college basketball final four is always in a basket you know a football stadium for the most part so that's different Mm but you know the last time a pro sports did something like that was there was an all-star game in 2010 in Dallas Cowboys Stadium 
that was the last time where I remember a professional league doing something different. I mean, think about this college football players. That's probably as close as you're getting to different playing surfaces. And it's not like they're getting paid. You know, you have those weird bowl games like the pinstripe bowl and you have certain rivalry games that take like Northwestern Illinois takes place on Wrigley field normally. So, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to do something different, but when you continue to try to do it, sometimes that takes out the fun factor and maybe they should just go back to winter classics, but we'll see what going, uh, happens going forward. This could be a whole different conversation to be honest, but the major league baseball is doing the field of dreams. They were supposed to do it last year. And then with COVID everything got backed up, but I think one could argue that the two leagues that suffer the most from fan engagement are the NHL and the MLB. So are these almost maybe more of a gimmick to just get fans involved because they don't know how else to do it? I mean, let's just be honest here. The MLB's best player is on the West Coast, and there are people that don't know who he is because they've never seen him. They don't know how to market him. So is, is this a way to basically gimmick to say, oh, here we are in a national spotlight other than you know, actually maintaining great players and, and showcasing their talent? Right. Ryan, before we get to conversation corner, I tell you what, sometimes when I'm watching all that college basketball, my ma- uh, my brain starts to feel like uh, scrambled eggs. I'm listening to music like still the early 2000s, but I also mixed in a little uh, 2010 stuff uh, this weekend. Um, the weekend, ironically, uh, I mixed in some uh, Foo Fighters, early 2000s. Love, love Foo Fighters. Um, and I know I'm going to get dragged for this. I even had a little bit of Nickelback, but it wasn't by my choice, but the song came on and I didn't skip over it, but I do all that on Amazon music. A hot take for everybody out there. Just so you know, Nickelback is good. Now I understand that it's produced radio. I get that. I understand that, but they, some of their earlier songs are good. You can take that or leave it for whatever you want but that's just the facts. So my, my choice of music was similar to yours was a little variable. Um, but I was listening to, I was listening to some nineties rap earlier, a uh, little bit of Snoop Dogg, gin and juice, some biggie juicy, uh, the Humpty dance by digital underground, just throwing it all the way back, all kinds of crazy. Uh, but then listening to architects because their new album comes out this Friday. Uh, they're, a, they're a rock metal band. So little bit of everything but you don't have to limit yourself if you like a lot of different stuff on amazon music um you can listen to your playlists of of genres that you like or artists that you like you can also switch it up and make your own playlists throw in a little bit of everything throw in a little bit of foo fighters also a great live show if you've never seen them live check them out live so check out some foo fighters listen to a little bit of snoop dogg throw in some architects do a little bit of everything but you can do that on amazon music and when you sign up with Amazon Music, $7.99 a month, sign up with the link, get Amazon Music backslash to Ryan Sports, and you can sign up today for that. Start listening to your favorite artists, your favorite bands, check out some new playlists, make your own. But again, that is getamazonmusic.com backslash to Ryan Sports to sign up today. By the way, I had, <laughs> I had the hugest crush on Ava Levine um growing up and, and and still do i mean she you know but uh that's maybe that's one reason i resent trag Kroger so much he was married to ava levine for like three or four years something like that that's that's fair i actually had a crush on her whenever i was younger too small world 
I mean, she was a big star, not small world. I can't imagine that we were the only two, but. Right. Complicated is still a banger. Complicated is still a banger of a song. That and Skater Boy, that first album. Yeah. That first album was, my, my dad still has that in his collection, so we, we go with it. Um, conversation Corner, I don't have anything written down because I didn't know what else we could talk about. It's not, it's not March yet. <clears throat> um, and look, by the way, March is when I feel like I basically <laughs> lose a sleep schedule just like I do from football season from August to the end of February. I have no sleep schedule in March. I, I essentially watch – here's a hot take for you. As much as I love March Madness before we get to Conversation Corner, I think sometimes conference tournament week is more entertaining because they typically start on Mondays or Tuesdays, and I am so invested in the teams that are on the bubble who can make it far in the tournament. I don't know what conference tournament is going to look like this year, obviously, if conferences are going to do it, and they have to make a decision on that. You, you think soon, right? Because there's two weeks away before conference tournaments and no conferences said, hey, we're going to play or we're not going to play. But I love conference tournament week. And last last year, at least, I got a little bit of conference tournament week before it all got canceled. You know, it's funny because you you talk about like rooting for those teams or, or maybe not rooting for those teams that are on the bubble, depending on your rooting interests. But that that's almost what makes you're right. That's what makes conference championship week so fun. Because you can look, and I mean, this is a bad example of just of a team because I think they're obviously going to make the tournament. But like, say Texas Tech is on the bubble and, and you're uh, they're the last four out or they're the last four in. You want to see them. You want to see them go through the tournament and you almost find yourself rooting for them saying, please win like three games so you can make the tournament. You have no emotional investment in these teams except what you're told to believe that they're the last four out, but you still go for it because you, you just want to see them in. So I, I, I find myself with that with, with these tournaments, especially I also like the, uh, the, the teams, the, the lower level teams or the not so hype teams, the, the smaller conferences, whenever they have like a powerhouse team and that powerhouse team does not win the tournament. It's, it's some smaller, smaller, lesser to do team wins it. And they just upset everybody. I love that. That happened a couple years ago. I can't remember what conference, what teams, uh, if somebody knows, let me know. But basically the, the powerhouse team was playing a team that was basically 500 and the team that was 500 came through and won the tournament. And that, I, that is what I live for in conference tournament week. Also, Last thing is, I hope WVU doesn't get stuck on the West Coast side of the bracket like they did two years ago in 2019, where they're playing their games at 10:15 Eastern. That's a brutal thing. And let's be honest, they're not at 10:15. They typically go on at like 10:47 or whatever because they share the court with another team. But I'm sure that'll all be reworked considering Indianapolis is on Central Time and not, you know, West Coast time this year. And all four venues are in Indianapolis, so. That'll be interesting to see. I have a feeling we're going to get 10 a.m. tip-offs, which would be awesome. But uh, what's your conversation corner? Yeah, help us out, college basketball, so we can actually watch our teams for a change and we don't have to sacrifice work schedules here. So, so my my conversation corner today is is I, I suppose it's I'm, I don't suppose it really is more of a more of a serious topic, but. Uh, I think something that you have to talk about, it's its prominent in sports news yesterday, uh, is, is that Mariner CEO Kevin Mather, uh, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, resigned after comments of his, 
I mean, just flat out racism, let's call it that, surfaced of him talking to a, a Rotary Club a couple, I, I suppose it was back in February, uh, basically talking about how one of his players, he couldn't believe that he didn't learn English, was a Japanese player, uh, saying how he was frustrated that the language barrier was not crossed, uh, basically just sparing no one and offending basically everyone with his comments. Um, so the reason that I think that we have to talk about this is because this is this is not the first time that something like this has happened with somebody in a very prominent role in, in sports. We've seen this before with Donald Sterling, uh, with his racially charged comments back a few years ago before the sale of the Clippers. Uh, and, and I realize that Kevin Mather is not the owner, he's the CEO, but this is one of the 30 people that's in charge of running a major league baseball team, in charge of running an organization that does have a lot of diversity, that has black players, that has Dominican, uh, even Japanese players are, are coming over more, more and more often now to play in the major leagues. So my, I think the reason that we have to talk about this is number one, just more than anything, and I know that you'll agree with me on this and, and you don't even have to jump in, is, is you have to, we condemn these comments, right? That, that's not, that goes without saying. Is, is that there's absolutely no place for this in baseball, no place for it in any sport rather. But I think the really troublesome thing is, is that we look at a year like 2021, we are, we say we're so far past these things and that this couldn't possibly happen in sports today. But here we are, we're seeing somebody with a prominent role in sports have to step down because they, they just don't understand. They, they, just can't put it together and, and maybe that's not the most eloquent way of saying it but this is a problem that is apparently still very rampant in sports because we should not have to hear the comments of Donald Sterling we should not have to hear the comments of this CEO but yet as we sit here in 2021 we are still dealing with this type of xenophobia and racism in sport and and how do we address this moving forward I mean this, that's more of a rhetorical question because uh, the answer is, is I genuinely don't know. I'm not in charge of making those decisions, but this is, this is something that we, we should not have to talk about because we should be past this in an environment where there is so much diversity, but I think it just shows where we actually still are in some capacity. Yeah, it's very gross. It's incomprehensible that he would say that, right? Also, remember back to a time where... <laughs> the most controversial thing in baseball just a couple of years ago was the Miami Marlins ownership group and baseball essentially having to take control of that. And, you know, Miami having to be taxpayers on a baseball team, let's be honest, they didn't want, and they tore down the orange bowl to build that Miami Marlins ballpark. And let's look at baseball's past history in the last year and a half, two years, massive problems in the PA and the union can't seem to agree on that all because of the, Look, it's, it's insane that the pandemic forced all those issues, but let's be honest, it brought harder issues to the table. And going forward, when that CBA expires, we could look at another lockout season. The only other time it's happened was 94, but that's how toxic it is between the owners and the players association right now. Number two, Seattle. Seattle hasn't been to the playoffs since 2001. I know that that's not really the issue at point here, but the point is, you would think that a guy would be more focused on doing the right things for a team than 
not trying to find players and saying those disgusting comments, right? That's number two. Number three, it seems like he is just un- unaware. And the from the story, it sounds like it wasn't recent. It sounds like it was an interview two or three years ago that somehow resurfaced or a clip, if you will. And so he said those things two, three years ago. Maybe I read the story wrong, but, and now it's resurfacing. So <laughs> you're telling me no one inside the Seattle Mariners organization for two or three years knew that he said that at a, at a event? I mean, I find that hard to believe. And lastly, what do we go from here? I mean, I, is baseball going to take control over them like they did the Clippers for a time being in the NBA before Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers? Because that's what the NBA did. When Donald Sterling got fired and banned from the league permanently, the NBA took control of the Clippers. And that little backstory real quick, I know you know we're talking about the NBA for a moment here, but that is how Chris Paul in that wild trade got annexed from the Lakers because the NBA had control over the Clippers and the Lakers, it was in a conference call. I remember watching it on NBA TV. It was a conference call. And basically they asked Chris Paul going to the Lakers in that conference call and shipped him to the Clippers. That's how Chris Paul ended up in the Clippers. So is baseball going to do that for Seattle? Are they going to take control over Seattle and contracts until they find a new owner? Because that really is exactly what NBA did until Steve Ballmer bought the team. Um, it was either that year or the year after for 2.1 bill, okay? 2.1 bill, chump, chump change. But it's, it's uh, unfathomable. I, I can't believe that it took this long. Unless I understood the story wrong, that's why I keep saying that. I'm almost positive he said the, these comments two or three years ago, and it resurfaced just now somehow. So I'm, I'm sitting here reading a little bit more into this too, as, as we're recording this. And, and it sounds as if um, what you're saying is true, but also not to sound like a, a jerk here, but what we're both saying is true. It sounds like these transgressions have been going on for a long time. This is not something that was just last month. This is something that dates back a long time. And, and there's, there's other issues on top of this besides the, the issues that we talked about you know, manipulating the salary cap. And, and um, as I'm reading this, I see different um, allegations and settlements with female employees of the Mariners. This is stuff that it, it cannot happen in 20, it can't happen anytime. But we, we, we have to get past this somehow. The, the thing is, is, is I don't know what the right thing is to do. As, as I sit here and do this, and as you sit here and do this, we're both white males. I, I don't know what it I don't know what it's like to be a female. I don't know what it's like to be black. I don't know what it's like to be Japanese. But I can only imagine that you know when when you go over to a different country and it's it's very foreign to you and you don't have that comfort that the the people that you find comfort in are your teammates, your team, or your translator, somebody that you know that you can be around it and that gives you that comfort. And and I, I read this and it says that he was tired of paying for this his Japanese player's interpreter because. He just didn't want him on the books. Are, are you kidding me? Are you serious? What, what, why would you, how does that even make sense? How does that make sense that you feel that that's a viable comment to make at any time? The thing is, is sports are an inclusive environment. 
but the thing is, is we have to remember that we see these things all too often. And, and we're still talking about these things in 2021, where the CEO of a team is talking about, you know, we can't do this. And, and I don't want to pay for a guy's interpreter because I, he should just learn English. That's, that's absolutely, that's absolutely insane. And then talking about another one of his top prospects who I, I believe is Hispanic saying that, oh, his English is not tremendous. That, that does not matter. That does not matter. You give these people the tools, you give them the opportunities to succeed. You give them the right people around them. And, and I think of a team like the, and I think of the penguins when I think of this, I know that this may not be a one for one example, uh, but when the penguins drafted Evgeny Malkin back in 2000, I think they drafted him earlier, but came over around 2006, 2007, uh, they had another Russian player on their team who was kind of his, almost his, his comfort, somebody that he could be around, somebody that understood and, and obviously spoke the Russian language, and Sergei Gonchar. So that's an opportunity to have somebody, and I'm not suggesting that you, you know, sign players just to have to, to give that comfort. But again, these players are coming to an environment where they're probably not comfortable, where, where they don't have that same experience. You know, if you're coming from Japan, you obviously don't know the Seattle experience. Or if you're coming from the Dominican Republic, you don't know what it's like to live in Seattle. So you have to give these players the opportunity to succeed. And then also addressing the side of this with the women, I don't understand. This is, it's disgusting. It's disgusting that we continually, again, have to have these conversations that women cannot succeed in sports because men are doing whatever to them. There's, there's so many allegations from sexual harassment, you know, just the way that they look at them, talk, stop. Women can work in sports. I just want you all to know that listening to this, that women can work in sports. I've been around a lot of great females in sports myself. And there are plenty other ones out there doing much bigger things than we ever could. Stop saying they can't work in sports because they are obviously more than capable. And it's not, and, and I think back to our conversation with Bomani, it's not that they can't do these things. It's that in oftentimes you're limiting their opportunities because they are a woman, because they are black, because they are Japanese. It's, it's crazy again, and, and I'll continue to say this, and, and I, I don't have the right words for it, but then 2021, we've come so far as a society, but yet we still have a long way to go because we're still stuck back in these draconian ages of racism and xenophobia and sexism that we can't get past because we have money and we're powerful and we want it. I, I just, I don't know where we go from here. I think the MLB has to step in, do an investigation and go through this, but it, it's a disgusting thing to hear on a Monday morning because you'd like to think that we're past this, at least to a certain extent. The last thing I'll say is maybe this is a hot take. I don't know. I, I don't really think it is, but Bud Selig had the steroid scandal. I don't know why. I still don't understand why people cared about the steroids in baseball when they don't care about it in anything else. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, I'll never understand that, I don't think. Maybe it's because the stats were jacked up. I, I, I truly don't ever know if I'll understand that. But it feels like that was minimal compared to the job Rod Manford's done since he took over as the commissioner. The Miami Marlins debacle 
which is still an ongoing saga with where the taxpayer in Miami has no interest in paying for that stadium and they're still paying for it every single day. The Astros cheating scandal. What's going on there? His massive debacle in the very, very well CBA and player reputation between the owners and the players association that Bud Selig did purposely build up to have a good relationship before he retired. And finally, this. So, I mean, <laughs> Rod Manford has done a poor of a job as you can ever do in a commissioner in three or four years, however long it's been. It hasn't been that long. It, it, it really hasn't. I don't think it's been that long at all. Well, I, I think of, so I, we may have talked about this before. I know I've had this conversation many, many times, and I usually have it in terms of the NFL, is, is that when a commissioner retires, typically they are immediately sent to the Hall of Fame because of the things that they've done for the sport. That's, that's usually how it works. Usually we look at commissioners finally, and, and we usually you know, talk about the growth of the game and how they're able to get it in front of more faces and such. So with the NFL, I think about it in terms of Roger Goodell, right? Roger Goodell might put more money in the NFL and he might put it in front of more faces, but you'll also remember that originally his office suspended Ray Rice two games for what happened in that video. And they claim they didn't have the video. I just want you to remember that that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with here is, is that there is in no uncertain terms, the NFL had that video. They saw that and decided to suspend Ray Rice for two games. Now you can't tell me that that's you can't tell me that that's not that that's not something that should be a black mark on somebody's record. And on top of that, they spent so much time and effort on Deflategate, but I saw basically a minuscule version investigation of the Washington Football Team here recently with their issues compared to what the amount of money and time they put in on Deflategate. Right. Well, and, and there's another side to this too. Now, I've, I don't want to come off as I'm defending somebody who makes racist or xenophobic or you know these, these types of comments towards adultery or whatever it is, but my hope is, and I've had this conversation recently with somebody, my, my hope for people is, is that they are able to eventually see why what they've said is wrong and how they can learn to be better from that. That's what I want. I want people to understand from a different point of view why their comments are seen as wrong, why they're not seen as acceptable, why people of the Japanese community or black community, whoever it is, are offended by this and, and why we can move to be better on this. That's my hope for these people. I don't wish people to be exiled, but I do wish for them to be condemned for what they've done because that's how this should work. You know, we, we need to work towards a more inclusive environment. And again, you would think in sports, a place that is diverse and, and does have that, you know, differences of cultures and, and races and such, that this would be a place where you almost would think it's safe, but it's clearly not because we keep having to talk about these things every, it feels like every week, but it's not every week. We're talking about them every so often. My hope is, is that this man is able to see what his comments have done and why they are seen as offensive. And I hope that he can work to better that. But for what he said and him stepping down as CEO of the Mariners, that's literally only the beginning. 
So there's a lot to work to be done from there, both on the side of the MLB, both on his side. And then you would hope that, you know, the, the players within the organization, they, they don't see this as, I mean, they're obviously going to see it as negative, but not a reflection of who the team is as a, as a whole, that it's, it's not the Mariners organization that it's one person, but hopefully that's the case. Hopefully it is it, not hopefully that there's one racist in the organization. No, the, the point is, is hopefully this is the actions of one person not impacting the team as a whole. So there is work to be done. I hope that this, I hope that this gets better for the Mariners, the, the Japanese community, the, the Hispanic community, those that have been offended by this. But the point is, there's still work to do. And, and we're talking about this way too often than, than we should. Ryan, another good episode. Friday coming up. If they want to hear us, if they want to hear the segment ideas, us having conversations, where are they going to do that? How are they going to find us? Well, if you're listening to the episode, you're finding us most likely on Apple Music or not Apple Music, just Apple Podcasts. It's not Apple Music. You're finding us on podcasts on Apple. You're finding us on Spotify Podcasts at Two Ryan Sports Show. That's where you're listening to the show. But to get the latest updates about the show, uh, to see some of our memes whenever there's a big event going on, we like to tweet out some memes. Um, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Two Ryan Sports Show on all of those platforms to keep up with the show. Again, listen to us on Apple and Spotify. Find us on social media as well. Facebook, excuse me, I keep I keep having these like chest convulsions that basically prevent me from saying this. I apologize, everybody. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's where you're finding us on social media. We hope you guys are enjoying this. Interact with us, follow us, like us, DM us, give us some segment ideas if you, if you wanna hear something that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, but just let us know. But we're happy to hear from you guys, and we appreciate everybody's support so far. And we'll see everyone Friday. Have a great week, guys.